Happy Monday, everyone. It's time for another episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast. We're continuing our Sunbelt in review series today. Caden, it's episode seven. We're at the halfway point. We're going to discuss Marshall's impressive first season in the Sunbelt Conference. We hope that you've been able to catch the last couple of episodes in our Sunbelt in review series. I know Caden and I have already learned a lot. We spoke with Alabama.com reporter Craig Stevenson about South Alabama's 10-win campaign. We also reviewed Southern Miss's exciting season under second-year head coach Will Hall with Scott Watkins of the Sun-Herald. If you missed either of those episodes, you can find them by clicking the link in our Twitter bio or by visiting Apple or Spotify in the coming days. You'll want to make sure to check out those episodes. Over the next several weeks, Caden, we're going to continue our deep dives on each of the Sunbelt School's 2022 seasons with the help of the experts that cover them on the ground on a daily basis. Today, Caden, we're going to be talking about the 9-4 and four Marshall Thundering Herd who finished their season on a five-game winning streak as well as a bowl victory against UConn. Thanks to a strong rushing attack, this Marshall team had a truly special season that included a win over number 8 Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, Marshall had a special season, and it was great to get a backstage look and a look at what that season looked like from someone who was on the ground for them, reporting on them, this year in Huntington, just reporting on this team that has a ton of culture and now is in a great spot joining the Sun Belt this season and making some noise at a pretty early time period in that in that journey. Hey, this is a team that had a good year this year. Caden, uh, you're going to hear Luke Creasy in a minute make a prediction later in this episode about the type of year that they could have moving forward. But on this episode, we're excited to welcome Herald Dispatch reporter Luke Creasy, who covers the team on the ground in Huntington to the Frarian Smith podcast to break down Marshall's first year in the Sun Belt. Caden, tell our listeners a little bit more about what they're going to hear on today's episode. Talked about the amazing season this team has had, and it was great hearing Luke's perspective on it, just talking about the importance that Coach Huff had on the year, some inside scoop on some of the struggles that maybe Kalen Laybourne had during the season, how he combated some of that, just some great stories and tidbits about this special Marshall, Marshall season, and obviously looking ahead to them being able to build on that next season. So without further ado, let's get to our interview and conversation with the one and only Luke Creasy. Well, we're really excited to have Luke Creasy on the podcast. He covers the Marshall Thundering Herd. And Luke, also, I just wanted to give you a quick shout out. There was an award that you received earlier at the end of last week named the West Virginia uh, Sports Writer of the Year. So congratulations to you. And obviously, that's a sign of some of the excellent coverage that you do of this Marshall team that I know Caden and I have benefited uh, from throughout the season. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Uh, I, I had one of my buddies uh, ask if it was a Rookie of the Year award, too, because this is my first year uh, full-time sports reporting um, on the herd. So uh, I guess it's kind of a, a dual award, but I uh, appreciate the shout-out. Yeah, no, that's awesome, and definitely excited to have you on the podcast. And, man, I have to imagine if that's a Rookie of the Year award that there might be a lengthy run here in the future. So some of those other sports writers in uh, West Virginia better step up their game. But, Luke, let's jump right in to talk some Marshall football. Uh, we really just wanted to get your assessment of Marshall's season. They have that huge win early in the year against Notre Dame, and then they have a couple of losses. But then this team found its groove down the stretch. They win five in a row. The defense was outstanding. The run game was as good as advertised. Uh, what's your overall assessment on this season for Marshall football? I think it's about um, what as good as they could have hoped for. Um, you know, when you look at um, what went right, what went wrong, um, a little bit of both uh, there. You know, throughout the you know the thirteen week season, um, I had them at eight and four. 
nine and four with a bowl win before the season even started. Um, so I, I thought there were uh, several uh, winnable games on that slate uh, in their first year in the Sun Belt. Now, I'll admit, I got a few of those games wrong. I got the overall record right. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't have him beaten Notre Dame um, in week two. I don't think many across the country did. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they found a way um, to, uh, to to win some tight ball games. I think it, it all started uh, with their defense, um, which was kind of their center point all year long. Um, and then everything kind of built off that. I mean, I, I'm thinking back to some of the games, um, like the game at Troy, um, where, you know, they held Troy without an offensive touchdown. Um, you know, kept them in that ball game. Um, go down by three touchdowns in the first quarter to Coastal Carolina. Uh, defense collects itself, finds a way to get the offense back in the game. Um, so it, it really all started with their defense. Um, and then everything else kind of built off that. But um, eight and four regular season um, in, in a tough Sun Belt League. Uh, I mean, I think coming into this year, um, everybody who covers the Sun Belt was talking about. Um, how tough that East division was going to be. And, and it was tough. Um, you know, it, it was kind of run, a, a run of the gauntlet um, as you go down the stretch. And um, so a, a lot of a lot of big takeaways uh, from, um, you know, fr- from the last year um, for, for Marshall football and, and certainly a lot to build off uh, heading into uh, 2023. Luke, it's hard to talk about this season and really this team now in general in this program without talking about head coach Charles Huff and his second year with the team. He improves them from that seven and six record to that nine and four finish after the bowl game. Just from listening to his press conferences and seeing his emotion on the sideline and just how his team plays from we're we're fans on this podcast of him. Could you just give us a little assessment, your perspective of how he's done in his two years in Huntington? Yeah, he's a very charismatic guy. And I don't think I have to tell you guys that uh, if you've watched his press conferences, uh, you, you can see that he's got a sense of humor. Um, and I, I really think probably the most impressive thing that he has done is just embrace the community. Um, for a long time, um, the, the Marshall football head coaching job uh, seemed to be one that uh, was you kind of a shoe in for a local guy or someone who's been around the program. You look at um, a guy like Bobby Pruitt, um, who, who still lives in the area, you know, coached Marshall during the, the glory days, if you want to call it that, um, when they were winning national titles in, in 1AA. Um, and then, you know, Mark Snyder, another local um, who, who had some ties to the community. Uh, Doc Holliday spent 10 years um, at the helm. And uh, really, when, when they went and hired Charles Huff, um, it, it was kind of a home run hire. Um, it, at least on the surface, that's what it appeared to be because, um, you know, he, he was coming from um, a, an institution that had just won a national championship at Alabama. Um, he had coached some, some of the best running backs um, t- to come through college football in the last decade, Miles Sanders, Saquon Barkley, Najee Harris. Um, and, and, you know, he brought a lot of, uh, a lot of talent to Huntington. Uh, he was highly touted as a recruiter. And I think uh, that, that Marshall has, has seen the benefits of that aspect of it. Um, and so, you know, he didn't inherit a bad program. Um, Marshall, the, the year before he arrived, um, had, had climbed as high as number 15 in the AP poll um, after a 7-0 start during that 2020 season. Um, lost the last three, and that included the conference championship. Uh, they made a head coaching change. And so I think when Huff got here, the foundation uh, was already here um, in a lot of ways. And, you know, he kind of had to build the culture off of that. 
and recruit to his needs to run his system. And um, to go seven and six overall that first year, uh, I think, uh, you know, isn't a bad thing. Um, you lost to a really tough Louisiana team in that New Orleans Bowl to, uh, you know, to end the year. Um, and in a lot of ways, last year and this year had similarities um, in terms of, of overall record and, and overall ebb and flow of the season. Um, but I think this year you really started to see people um, catch inside the system, offensively and defensively. Um, really, uh, you know, the coaching staff allowed um, the players to play within their strengths. And I think that, um, you know, th- that, that says a lot about the, the coaching um you know, maturity from year one to year two. He was talking about back in the summer um, how he felt more comfortable coming into this 2022 season um, just because, you know, he, he came so late. I mean, last year, um, you know, well, when he got the job, it was it was January 8th or 9th when he arrived in Huntington. Um, so he got, got kind of a late jump on it um, heading into that year, but uh, certainly made – uh, a lot of adjustments and, and got some of his guys in here. Uh, there were 48 new players on this year's roster versus 2021. That included um, 24 out of the transfer portal. And I think it was an even split 24 and 24 um, of, of high school recruits versus transfer portal. So, um, you know, he went to the portal to address some of those immediate needs um, as far as depth is concerned. And uh, it, it paid off. Well, let's talk about uh, that quarterback position for this team. Uh, Henry Columbia is your guy early on in the year, struggles at times, and then gets injured. Cam Fancher takes the reins, and it felt like week in and week out, Cam Fancher was getting better and better. How did that whole situation kind of play out from your perspective? I think um, Huff saw a lot of Fancher's potential um, in fall camp. Um, it, for those that, that have followed Marshall, um, this year, uh, it, it, it was a tight quarterback battle, um, came down to, to really the last, uh, couple days of, of fall camp to see who got that starting job. And, um, you know, Fancher still appeared in every game, um, this season. Uh, he, he, uh, was kind of a, uh, situational quarterback there for the first half of the season, the first six games or so, um, and, and really didn't, uh, didn't perform too awfully well in those instances. And so, um, you know, when he took over, uh, you know, starting down there, James Madison was his first start. Um, you know, when he took over, there, there were a lot of questions. And and I think that's fair uh, to, to, to question, you know, redshirt freshman in that situation. Um, yeah, James Madison game was a pivotal point in the year. Uh, Marshall was, uh, you know, at three and three at that point. And, you know, if you lose that game, you know, what does the trajectory of, of the rest of the season look like? And um, they find a way to win that game. And so Fancher, and yeah, I was talking to offensive coordinator Clint Trickett, and he said some of the growth that Cam has made this year um, is stuff you see from quarterbacks year to year, not week to week. And so, um, you know, he, he really uh, settled in. Um, and, you know, I think it also helped, too, that Marshall's relatively young at the skill positions. Um, guys like E.J. Horton, Caleb McMillan, um, guys that, that uh, came up through the, the, the practice squad, the, the scout team with, uh, with Cam. So they already had that chemistry together. Um, and so I think that helped a lot um, as far as his comfort level and, um, you know, some of the same plays they were running in the Myrtle Beach Bowl it, at the end of the season were the same plays that, that Cam Fancher was in when he played at Notre Dame. 
Um, the difference is he's picking up yards this time and not uh, going over. Um, and, and so I, I think his growth has been impressive. And I think that's a tribute to, um, you know, Trickett as the quarterback's coach, you know, former college quarterback himself. Um, and, and just uh, having a, a full off season in the system, um, you know, cause Grant Wells, who started 2021 transferred pretty early in the off season and, and really allowed Fancher to, uh, you know, to come into his own during spring ball because Columbia, because he transferred from Texas tech, um, he wasn't eligible to participate in the spring. And so Fancher got that whole spring to work with the ones. And I think that um, that resulted in, you know, his comfort level rising week to week and, you know, finished with a five and one record um, or six and one record, um, you know, for the herd and uh, r- really impressive performance for the redshirt freshman and a great foundation to build off of uh, moving forward. Yeah, staying on Cam, anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I've been a fan of his. I've had a house on Fancher Island for quite a bit now just because I felt <laughs> I felt that his his legs and his running ability kind of fit better with the identity of this team. And I think looking looking into next season, I think out of all the quarterbacks in the conference, I think he really has the potential to be one of the better ones returning next season, just depending on how what he, how much he can improve this offseason. What do you think he needs to maybe improve on heading into this season? And how, does, how much of the success of this team next year do you think banks on how much better he can get this offseason, how good he can lead this team next year. Yeah, I, I think the, you know, he, he still has to find a way to be a dual threat. Um, you know, now that people have, you know, seven games of film on him, um, I, I think that's when you see the true talent of a quarterback come out is when they can uh, come out in, in year two and, and still make some of the same plays that they were in year one. Um, and so I, I think that's going to be important. But, uh, you know, accuracy is a big thing for me. Um, and I, I look at, you know, some of his performances um, down the stretch and, and sometimes they were spotty. Um, and but, uh, you know, they found ways to to fight through that, whether that's, uh, you know, give him a check down every once in a while to, to you know, just build that confidence and, and get him some um, some positive plays or, um, you know, relying on that running game that, that was so strong. Um, and I think that's going to be, um, you know, even stronger next year. Uh, you know, Kalen LeBourne had um, had a lot, well, really all to do with the success of the run game um, as far as running backs are concerned. And, uh, you know, he, he was a nice pickup out of the transfer portal with, with Rasheen Ali missing 10 games. Um, but, but Ali should be back uh, in full force next year. And I think that's only going to help um, Cam in the fact that he's not going to have to make every play. Um, he's got those playmakers around him, but, uh, definitely, um, the, the accuracy, um, should improve from, you know, from this year to next. Uh, and I think it needs to, if they want to be more consistent in the past game. You started to give us a primer on that running back room, and we've got to talk about that because this was the, the story this year for Marshall. Kalen LeBourne has a, you know, phenomenal loan season as a Marshall Thundering Herd, runs for over 1,000 yards, 16 touchdowns. We're really familiar with his work on the field, but tell us a little bit about who he was off the field and how he was or how important he was to this team this season. One of the nicest guys on the team. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think I think my favorite thing about Kalen uh, was just his, his willingness to come in and do whatever was necessary. Um, you know, he, he came into – you know, he committed to Marshall, uh, realizing that he probably wasn't the, the RB1. Um, you know, Rashid Ali uh, had, uh, you know, led the NCAA in total touchdowns. Um, 
in 2021. And um, that's not a guy that you're going to come in and replace uh, because, you know, that's a guy that's established. But, um, you know, I think Kalen was looking for one more shot. And uh, when Rasheen Ali goes down in fall camp with an injury, um, there was a shot. And, you know, he took full advantage of it, um, ran for over uh, 100 yards and scored a touchdown in the first eight games. Um, it eclipsed the thousand yard mark pretty, uh, pretty early in the season as, as far as, you know, uh, reaching a thousand yards goes and, uh, it really made some big plays that helped this team, um, you know, win some games. I think, uh, I think, you know, everybody likes to talk about the Notre Dame win, um, on that final drive, he had a 41 yard run that took him down, set up a first and goal. And I think he bounced off every defender that the Irish had out there on the field. Um, and th- th- that was big for him was after contact. What could he do? Uh, but you know, I, I, you know, I, I had several good conversations with him in post game and, you know, during midweek interviews. And, you know, I, I think he, he's, he's just a guy that's dedicated to, to the game and was grateful for, for one last chance. And, um, you know, I, after the Bowling Green game, um, he had fumbled twice and, uh, you know, uh, it, it had cost Marshall a chance to really put away that game, and it ended up being a loss. And, and he took that, uh, he took that to heart. I think uh, that's. I don't know if he did it before, but that's when I started to notice he would carry around a three-pound weighted football. Um, you know, about uh, you know, starting twenty-four hours before the game, and he'd have it in his hand. Um, you know, he did. He didn't like that he let the team down um, in that way, and wanted to do anything to correct it. And uh, he handed the ball to me. I, it was after James Madison, and uh, I dropped it. <laughs> it's, it's a three-pound. I wasn't expecting. I just thought it was a home football. Um, but you know, that that's the that's the kind of guy and the kind of work ethic that he has. Um, he wanted to do whatever was necessary to um, to correct mistakes. And you know, I, I think even after he ran for 161 on Notre Dame, he was like, I could have had more. Um, and th- that that's the kind of. Uh, guy that he is and just, just a super cool guy to be around um nice face for the program and um uh, and, and now he's down at the hula bowl um playing uh, tomorrow um and stephen gilmore's down there as well no i've heard stories of running backs carrying footballs after some fumble troubles but i've never heard the three pound one that's an awesome story and you talked yeah. we talk about rasheen ali a little bit he has the amazing season in 2021 i have flashbacks of that ball game against louisiana where they were comparing him to reggie bush because he was just so electric and had a great year but then he misses this season there's not really a ton of information and reporting on why he missed it you touched on the injury a little bit could you shed a little bit of light on that situation and maybe what we can expect from rasheen ali heading into this 2023 season yeah, um, yeah. Th- there was a lot of just vagueness around that situation, um, even for media that cover the team regularly. Um, you know, th- the explanation we were given at the start was that uh, he was just going to take some time away from the program um, and to focus on, on, you know, mentally, physically, and emotionally until he was ready to be back. Um, he wasn't going to be back, and so. Uh, th- that ended up, I think Huff opened up a little bit about it later, um, later on in the season um, and just, you know, chalked it up to, you know, play chess uh, because he didn't want opponents to know when or if Rasheen Ali was going to be available. Um, and, you know, he started to started to return to practice and then um, down at Georgia Southern um, was the first time he made an appearance. So. Uh, you know, that was game 11. Um, he had missed uh, 10 games up to that point and but really came back and, and was an immediate spark um, to that offense. Um, 
and, and they needed it. And so it, it from that point on, you know, he and LeBourne kind of split carries. Um, and, you know, I, I think uh, you saw glimpses of what Rasheen Ali uh, was capable of. I don't think we saw a fully healthy Rasheen Ali. Um, maybe not until the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Uh, when he started to, to get some of those breakaway runs and, and flash that speed. So, yeah, I, I think uh, he's only going to improve. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, coming back, uh, he's been in this system now for a couple of years. He understands it. He's still got the explosiveness. And, uh, you know, m- m- there's a chance he maybe gets even faster. He's running track uh, for Marshall this year. Um, and so, uh, you know, th- th- that'll be fun to watch during the offseason and, um, you know, that's another super, super, super good kid. Um, you know, I think that's kind of the, the, the mantra of, of Marshall. They want good kids and they want good athletes. And they've got uh, a good bit of both right now. Luke, this was when you look at the defense as we kind of switch sides of the football. This defense was special this season. They were one of the best, if not the best in the conference at times this year. They had a ton of players who just had career years. Uh, who stands out to you as kind of that major catalyst on defense that made it such a special season? Owen Porter, hometown kid, uh, grew up, uh, you know, probably 15 minutes from from where Marshall is, played played high school ball in Huntington, um, comes to the herd as a role player for four years, and then uh, in, in year five, um, you know, becomes one of the centerpieces. And, you know, his ability to come off the edge and create pressure uh, really uh, did a lot for that defense. Um, but I think if you're looking at the heart and soul of the defense, it's probably Owen's best friend, Kobe Cumberlander, um, who is the biggest clown I think I've ever covered. Um, but j- just, uh, you know, I mean, he's very animated. And the energy, I think, started with him. And energy was a big thing f- for that defense. Um, if they weren't playing with, with energy, they weren't playing to their best. And, um, you know, I think that kind of drove everybody. But, yeah, I mean, you look at the performances across the board. Um, Owen Porter had, uh, you know, nine and a half sacks. Um, you know, Micah Abraham in the secondary uh, had six interceptions. Um, Stephen Gilmore had three interceptions, including a, a pick six at Notre Dame. And uh, j- just big performances all around. And, but it all started with the energy. And I think that that energy started – uh, right there in the middle of the field with with that linebacking group in, in Kobe Cumberlander, and that everybody else just kind of fed off of that, um, which was fun to watch. I'm glad you talked about the secondary because that unit was so special. And I think what they were able to achieve up front as a defense really affected the secondary as well. And they were just meshing off of each other. But this defensive signing class, which is what you can really call it, it's a smaller signing class for Marshall this year at the high school level. They signed eight guys, but five of those guys are defensive players, three in the secondary. What are some of your takeaways from that signing class and what we can expect from them in the future of this program? This year may have spoiled Huff. Um, because, you know, and, and Lance Gidron on the defensive side, you know, Lance told me, um, during bowl week, he goes, this is probably the most talented group I've ever coached. Um, and, you know, I, I think defense was a point of emphasis coming into the year. Um, they went into that, uh, New Orleans bowl at the end of 2021. Uh, Huff loves to tell this story, um, that, that they went in with six healthy D linemen. And, um, and I think that depth, that lack of depth there on the D-line um, showed towards the end of that game. Marshall has a two-touchdown lead um, in the fourth quarter. They let it slip away, um, and Louisiana was doing what they wanted to offensively. And, um, you know, Huff 
yeah, essentially looks at looks at his roster and says that's not happening again. Um, goes out and beefs up the D line through the transfer portal. Um, you know, gets some of those young guns in too, and uh, you know, really showed what this team could be capable of if they can create the pressure up front. And um, you know, I think that's going to be a point of emphasis moving forward. Um, you know, coaches tell me all the time whether it's college or high school. You know, offense can come and go. Uh, sometimes you're going to have down games, but defense can travel with you wherever you go. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, they really stuck to that. I, I don't think Marshall wins nine games. They might not win four or five if that defense isn't as stout as they were. Um, you know, I think all the way back to, uh, you know, to, to Notre Dame, to Troy, to, you know, some of these other games where they kept them in it. Um, even when they probably shouldn't have been because the offense wasn't doing much. Uh, but because of that defense, finding ways to make stops, finding ways to score, um, you know, on the defensive side, uh, really, really tied everything together and put a nice bow on it for Marshall. Luke, this was a very just experienced team this year, particularly on that defensive side. Now, you know, as we start to look ahead to next year, there's a lot of players who are kind of running low on eligibility. Some have made their decisions regarding staying or going What's the word on who's going to be back on that team next season? I know Mike, Micah Abraham is already committed to being back. Owen Porter hasn't made his intentions clear yeah. yet. Uh, what other guys, you know, are you anticipating to maybe stay or go from this team heading into next season? The only one I can I can say for sure is Eli Neal. Um, he announced that uh, on social media a couple weeks ago. Um, Mike Abraham, Eli Neal, and I, I would be surprised if um, Owen Porter doesn't come back. Um, I have no inside knowledge on that. Just, uh, you know, just knowing him and, and knowing uh, how much pride he takes in his hometown and, and playing for Marshall, um, you know, I, I think he could stick around another year. Um, but, you know, it's kind of an interesting situation uh, with, with Owen because, um, you know, and Huff kind of talked about this in his offseason press conference just a couple of days ago. Um, you know, if he doesn't have the year he had this year, um, he probably doesn't have to make a decision. <laughs> you know, he, he, he's probably coming back. And, uh, you know, but because of the year he had and how productive he was, um, you know, he, he's got some options now. He can look at maybe, you know, where can I fall in the draft? Can I can I earn an, an undrafted free agent contract? Can I get a shot somewhere? Um, or, you know, can I go somewhere else and make a name for myself? Um, so, you know, th- those are the decisions that he's probably still working through. Uh, again, I've got no inside knowledge on that. But, uh, you know, if, if there was a crystal ball and a way to, uh, to predict the end result, I'd say Charles Huff probably wants him back. Um, but just because of the spark that he was, but, uh, you know, and Huff also said if they are coming back, they've announced that already. So, um, I, I would say those two for sure, Eli and, and Micah, um, and then Owen Porter still that wild card. So, uh, you know, but a lot of the transfers that he brought in, uh, that created that depth, um, were like 60 year guys. And so guys that, uh, you know, were coming to Marshall with, you know, with one, maybe two years and, um, you know, just looking to end on a high note. So, Luke, you might have saw a smile on me and Noah's face when you brought up crystal balls because in this series, that's always been our last question. We make these these reporters <laughs> we make these reporters pull out their crystal ball, and we've talked about who's returning to this team. We talked about their fearless and charismatic leader at head coaches. This team has some exciting ACC games as well in this upcoming season against NC State, hosting Virginia Tech, and of course that Sunbelt East schedule. That's always tough. We're going to make you pull out your crystal ball, Luke. What are your expectations of this team in the twenty twenty three season? What are your projections of what the season is going to look like? 
Good question. Um, I I mentioned I had him at eight and four this year. Um, I I think that that win number only goes up, and so I, I'll give him I'll give him a. We'll, we'll be bold. We'll go ten and two regular season. Um, I I think they find a way to uh, you know you know we, when you look at how the schedule lines out. Um, you know, Virginia Tech, maybe not as strong as they have been. That's a winnable game at home um, against potentially your former quarterback, uh, which could be fun. Uh, NC State's a tough road game, um, you know, for sure. Uh, so, uh, but uh, I, I think they could have easily gone 10-2 and this year um, in the regular season. Could have, you know, after that Notre Dame win, I think a lot of people had them at uh, 11-1, 12-0. Um, so I, I think 10 wins is um, – is optimistic, but could be realistic um, if this team continues to build off of the foundation that, that Huff has uh, presented these first couple of years. And um, you know, they they were a play away a lot of the, a lot of the time from from turning some of those uh, losses into wins this year. And um, you know, I, I think uh, even if you don't hit ten wins in the regular season, I think you got a good chance at uh, probably winning a bowl game because Marshall tends to play well on those. It's going to be interesting, Luke. I I think that 10 wins is music to our ears because I know that Caden and I are very high on Marshall heading into next season. I think that they will be one of the favorites in that East, so it will be interesting to see if they can meet those expectations. But Luke, really enjoyed this conversation. It's been fun getting to know you and learning a little bit more about the herd. We definitely appreciate your time. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. It was a lot of fun talking with Luke and award winner Luke Creasy, who took home the National Sports Media Association Sports Writer of the Year in West Virginia. He covers this team extremely well. And Caden, I really enjoyed hearing him talk about the evolution of Cam Fancher. I know he's a guy that you've been extremely high on since the moment he stepped on a football field. But Cam Fancher is a guy that could make or break this team next year. He could either elevate this team to championship contention or he could really hurt this team. Definitely. I've obviously talked at length about what I think Cam Fancher can do for this team. And I think Luke kind of just justified that for me. I think his ability to get better throughout the season was just a great sign for this team. Now going into the offseason and giving him the ability to get better at an extended period of time, have that confidence of knowing he's the starter. And I think when you look at a team like Troy, who won the conference championship this year with some quarterback issues and when they had a strong defense and a strong running game, seeing the success that they had. Well, I think Cam Fancher's talent, his ability to run and his potential can maybe get them in that same conversation as far as what they do as a team, but maybe even 10 wins is ambitious. But I think if Cam Fancher can really come into his own, this could be a team that we see ranked, making noise, beating some top teams, not only in the conference, but outside of the conference as well. I don't disagree with you. And then you match a guy like Cam Fancher, who's going to be playing with a guy like Rashina Lee, who we didn't get to see much this year. Uh, but Rashina Lee, for those who don't remember, just two years ago, led the NCAA in rushing touchdowns. He's a player that coming back is expected to be that feature back, Caden, and I would expect a huge season from Ali in kind of his return from what was a down year in 2022 due to injury. Yeah, I think it was great that Luke got to pull back the curtain for us a little bit and give us some inside scoop on what happened with Rasheen this season. And I think one of the more promising things that he gave us, one of those tidbits, is that he's going to be running track for this team. So I think if Rasheen Ali comes back, any type of closeness to the version we saw in his prime, but now him maybe adding some more speed to his game is going to be something that could be very scary for defenses in this conference. So definitely excited to see. We saw how Kalen Lambert had an effect on this team 
with Cam Fancher as a duo in the backfield with a prime Rashid Ali coming back and Fancher getting even better. It might be one of the more dangerous backfield combinations that we see in the conference. I'm particularly interested with this Marshalls team's defense. It was their calling card this year. They were so good against the run and so much of that came from strong performances they got up front, including guys like Owen Porter. As Luke mentioned, there's several guys, Caden, that are coming back for this team, but you have to imagine if you get a guy like Owen Porter back and allow him to build on what was as dynamic of a season as we saw from a defensive lineman in the Sun Belt this year, this is a Marshall defense that once again will be scary. They'll be very scary. And I think we saw Owen Porter in the linebacker play and just that front seven up front having such a good impact on the pass rush, on the run game. And it just directly affected the secondary, who was already a good unit that had a ton of respect with a guy like a Stephen Gilmore wide and that cast of characters in the back. And that was great. It was just one of the teams I feel like when you look at them playing last season, they just were infectious as far as if one one guy made a play, another guy made a play. If the pass rush wasn't there, the secondary had their back. So I think if this team can ride any of that late season momentum that we saw from Marshall into the beginning of this season and have a hot start on the defense side of the ball, maybe get a couple shutouts, a couple low scoring games for them. Huge ceiling for this team as far as what they're bringing back and what they can bring back. It'll be interesting. Obviously, I think there are some question marks at that defensive back role. You had a couple of really talented guys that are leaving, but there was some young guys that got a lot of experience this year. Uh, So certainly this is a Marshall team that feels like it has all the pieces uh, to be one of the contenders in that Sunbelt East. Well, Caden, if you've listened to some of our episodes, the last thing we like to do on these is hand out some end of the year awards, highlight, you know, that top player on the team, that offensive and defensive weapon, even that freshman MVP. Caden, the only rule here was that one player couldn't win multiple awards. Well, We'll go ahead and get started, and I was going to leave it up to you, uh, your freshman MVP for Marshall this season. No surprise to anyone on this one. They know that I'm a resident of Cam Fancher Island and that I think he's going to be a big impact player, not only moving forward, but had a great season. So our freshman MVP is Cam Fancher. He threw for 1,500 yards this year, 10 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, ran the ball well for this team as well, was an early weapon in the run game and kind of evolved as the season went, got into his own with 466 rush yards and a touchdown. I think when you look at Cam Fancher's season this year, him taking the reins and being thrown into the fire as a quarterback is not easy. It's a very cerebral position, and I think not knowing that you're going to be the starter, how much you're going to play, is a hard thing as it, as it is in self. And then having to now meet the expectations of your team playing well during the season and keep that going, and he ends with a great record as the quarterback at this team. Huge year for him, and I think another big highlight was you saw in the James Madison game, you saw in the Old Dominion game, had two interceptions in that game, really cleaned up his turnovers, and I think if he can improve on that accuracy going forward, clean up those turnovers, and just continue to evolve as a quarterback, sky's the limit not only for him, but this Marshall team as well. Moving to the defensive MVP, a guy we've talked about a ton on this episode, none other than Owen Porter, the defensive lineman. Look, there was a ton of great defensive players on this team. I mean, this team has guys in Stephen Gilmore and Micah Abraham that have 10 pass breakups each. Mike Abraham had six interceptions this year. Eli Neal leads the team with 98 tackles, nearly 100 on the season. Just a great year as a whole for this team. But I think when you look at the year that Owen Porter had, just such a disruptive force in that backfield. You think back to that James Madison game where he had three and a half sacks in that game. That's six and a half on his whole entire season. 15 TFLs, 60 tackles, four first turnover, four first turnovers, getting those fumbles, getting his hands on the ball. Just really had a really disruptive year. And I think as far as an edge rusher and a defensive lineman, hard to match that energy that he had and what the importance he was to this defense as far as a disruptive force week in and week out for them. Yeah, and even in some of those stats that you just mentioned, I think what goes a little bit unnoticed is how good he was at stopping the run game. 
you know, he was truly that front line of defense. And, you know, to your point, it was really hard to choose a defensive MVP on this team. I felt like Luke kind of solidified that when we asked about that defense and he, you know, very, you know, full fisted wise just said Owen Porter. So I think uh, you made a good pick there. Okay, and we'll move on. Offensive MVP for this team. For me, it was Corey Gamage, the wide receiver, 52 catches, 774 yards, six touchdowns. A lot of those yards in place came towards the end of the season once Fancher took over. You remember Henry Columbia early on in the year wasn't throwing the ball a ton or at least that downfield option. Corey Gamage, though, when the ball was thrown to him, was as good as any wide receiver in the Sun Belt this year. And even in the bowl game, Caden, he had a wide receiver's dream. He got an interception in that bowl game, so I'm sure he enjoyed that. Caden, team MVP for this team. Who else could it be? Kalen Laybourne, the running back. He led the Sunbelt Conference over 1,500 yards. He was top 10 in the country at times throughout the year. 16 total touchdowns, nine 100-yard games this season. Kalen Laybourne was easily one of the best running backs in the Sunbelt this year. He was the workhorse of this team. He was the engine of this team, and there was no question about it. Just got to give a kudos to him for his durability. He got a ton of carries this year. The team banked on him and his success, and they only went as far as his legs would go and his talent would go, and he definitely put that display on this season. And I think also I have to give a shout-out to Corey Gamage, the offensive MVP. I think when you look at a team that runs the ball a ton, it's tough to get into a rhythm, and I think he was the guy that was looked at as the number one receiver, and he came up big for this team, and it's not easy being in a – offense that runs the ball a ton and being the number one receiver it's a lot of pressure a lot of expectations and he came up big for this team so big year for both of those guys for sure yeah Marshall brings a lot of pieces back they're going to be among the favorites next year in that Sunbelt East and don't be surprised if they get on a roll early in the year to perhaps see the thundering herd ranked inside the top 25 well that will do it for another Loaded episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Herald Dispatch reporter Luke Creasy for joining us for today's conversation. Before you go, don't forget, we'll be back with a new episode in our Sunbelt in Review series highlighting the 2022 season for the Georgia Southern Eagles on Wednesday. Special guest Frank Solkowski, who covers Georgia Southern for ABC 22 down in Statesboro, is going to stop by to provide an in-depth look into this year's team. Again, thanks for taking time to listen today. If you like what you heard on this episode of the Frary and Smith podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you never miss another episode. Also, if you'd be so kind, leave us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We love hearing what y'all think about the show. Finally, take a moment, follow the show on Twitter at, at Frary and Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.